You're listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your otherworldly hosts, Alora and Kitty. And today you are joining us hearthside, where we'll introduce you to a few of the ancient spirits of the home, namely those of the fairy realm. So leave your boots at the door, pull up a chair and warm yourself by the fire as we tell stories of a time when people honored their household deities, the kobold, the hobgoblin, sprite, brownie, and more. So Kitty. Yes, Miss Alora. This is your jam. This is totally your jam. I do get excited about this topic. I know. A wee bit. Because you have some origins here. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So household fairies, do you have any fae in your house or have you worked with household fairies in the past? I will be honest and tell you that since moving, I don't believe I have any Faye in my house yet here. Mm. Um, I have worked with household Faye in the past though. And at my old house, I definitely had a cobalt that was kind of started to come around more on the astral plane and the house before that there was definitely fey activity like in the yard and then in the house and they were a little more trickster like but not harmful at all so how about you that's so funny that's so funny we don't have to be twins with everything <laughs> we don't, no, we don't. <laughs> okay no we so we just moved so when i say just i mean last month we moved yeah so uh no there's like nothing in here yet that I've felt like this, mm-hmm. this house felt very not clean, but just like blank canvas. Right. Exactly. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Oh. 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 No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last house we lived in, there wasn't really much activity. The house before that there was a lot, which oh. is interesting. This is weird. I know. <laughs> it's like, stop it. I plan on stop. remedying this blank canvas though uh, of a house. Mm-hmm. So painting yes. on this blank canvas, we shall say with household fay. <laughs> I <rhymed>. just may. <laughs> I <get> some hay. <laughs> Today. Hey, hey. No. Oh boy. Oh, wow. Okay. So why don't you tell everybody listening some of the origins of household spirits and deities? This is, I feel like this is a topic that a lot of people don't dive really deep into. And that makes me sad because it's really robust. And I think would take us back to a time where our ancestors were very much in tune with nature but that also crossed over into the household as well. So what I mean by by that is this. Back in the day when our ancestors made their homes from natural resources, wherever that was, you know, whatever they used, 
when they were animists, they believed that everything had an energy, had a spirit in it. And so the choosing of all of those elements that they used to build their homes was very careful and calculated. Mm. Um, and so basically they believe whatever materials they used to build the home had a spirit and therefore that spirit could become your household deity or God, or, you know, spirit that you worked with, that you honored. And that could also bring you prosperity and health and all the good things. Right. We don't believe right. that anymore. You know, we just have, we have block houses and we don't give offerings to the trees before we cut them down and, and move them across the land to build our homes. So right. things are much different, but back then it was very commonplace to have a household deity of some kind. And I mean, so this is even discussed in the Bible. The Bible mentions a specific form of household gods in the book of Genesis, and they're called the teraphim. They were ancient Semitic household deities. And if you've ever read the book, The Red Tent. I have the book. I have not read it yet. (laughs) You need to read it. So, and this doesn't really spoil it for you. It's just a very small, like just something that's mentioned in it, but they are a family, right? A, A ancient Hebrew family that have their very own like deity that's attached to their family. That's just for them. So that's kind of the same idea as like a household deity. It's a, it's a spirit that looks over your family, looks over your home and typically resides in the hearth or near the hearth. Mm. Um, Oh, and I guess I should say this too. A lot of the household spirits from way back when, I don't know when way back when is, I just know that it's long, long time ago, (laughs) kind of came up through the ranks and may have become wider known pagan gods at some point. So, you know, you have like the hearth deities like Hestia breed. And then there was also the Egyptian God Bess, who was very fae like in his appearance. So that's kind of an interesting thing to look into. Have you heard of any of this? Have you ever studied this topic, Alora, like in detail? You should. It's so interesting. And maybe it's just me that I'm just super into it, but. Well, you know, I talked about in the witchy truth episode, how I'm in between goddesses at the moment. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's breed that's trying to get my attention. So it's interesting that you included her here. Yeah. I think, uh, she's a good one. Definitely. Hmm. I should say too, that, that, so a lot of the information that I've been reading that I've gotten a lot of this information from comes from a folklorist named Claude Le Couteau. He's a French folklorist that does a lot of writing on this topic. There's a whole book that he wrote, um, which I'll tell you about it later. But so another part to this was that, <laughs> so household deities weren't just fey they could also be ancestors they could also be spirits of the land that Mm. um 
you know, would come into the home, would be invited into the home or would take their place in the home because the home's a part of their land, basically. Yeah, that's, you know what, that's interesting that you say that because uh, if we're counting spirits of the land or, and, or like land memories, Mm -hmm. uh, the house before the last one that we lived in was an area where uh, it, it was like a thoroughfare for the Aboriginal people. Hmm. Um, and so I think that's part of where a lot of the activity came from. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyways, continue. I agree. Um, so like I said before, our, our ancestors, you know, every piece of wood, brick, stone, anything that, that they used to build the home was alive. And so in that regard, um, there's some belief that elementals or fae that's how they came to be known as like household fae for instance mm-hmm. the cobalt or even the brownie yeah right yeah um and another little more gruesome thing is that it was actually common practice to sacrifice a human or later on an animal and they would place the uh remains in the walls or under the hearth of the home because that spirit was supposed to be the household guardian wow yeah there's actually uh, archaeological evidence of it in rome and some other places throughout europe like how does that work then <laughs> i don't know like guys so we got a contract to build this house but one of you is gonna have to die basically like who's it gonna be who's volunteering we need tribute? a household spirit so who's going to be <laughs> Bob, are you volunteering? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, we're not saying that we need to do that at all. We're just saying this is the, <laughs> this is the history of it. History folks, history. Yeah. Relax. Yes. Relax. Although it had me literally, I was in the car with my husband going, so what kind of wood do you think our house is built from? <laughs> <laughs> and where does the wood come from? And he's like, why are you asking this? And I'm like, it's a folklore thing. You wouldn't understand. He's like, okay. He's like, baby, just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> but it had me wondering because I mean, if you think about how the houses are made now, like what is the energy like from the materials that they're using? Because you know, they're not up there in Canada, like providing offerings to the forest before they chop it all down. So anyway just some interesting things to think about, but mm. yeah, There's, there was a lot more to that than I anticipated. Sorry. I, I've been, you guys, I've been down the rabbit hole of this topic for, well, I've studied it in years past, but just lately I've been like really Recently. into it again. Mm-hmm. Can you define then what is a household fairy? I mean, simply put, it's a fairy that can and will reside in a human dwelling or even business in some cases. There's certain household fae that will even take up residence like in breweries and bars. Then you have ones that will stick to the barns because they watch over horses. There's some that are attached to castles and, but yeah, they're just, they're different kinds of fae that will don't have a problem getting up close and personal with us. Right. Cool. 
to put it simply. All right. So how do these spirits come to be in a house, a specific house? So depending on the fae and the culture, there's, just, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, or a specific dwelling, not necessarily a house, but. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could be any, anything really where, where human beings are basically. Right. I mean, it just, there's so many different ones that it depends on the specific fairy and the culture, how mm-hmm. they come to live in a home. But I think I already said once before that it could be the spirit of the wood or the stone or whatever the materials used to build the home then sort of gets transplanted and becomes a part of the house itself. In the Slavic beliefs, and this is where lines get a little bit blurry, the domovoy is the household spirit that guards the home and the family. And a lot of like resources and stories equate them with the Fae, but they're also known to be ancestors of the family. Usually the first father or, you know, male ancestor that died in the home. And yeah, and there's a similar being that uh, among the Sami people, it's called the Haldi. It's it's another Mm -hmm. hereditary spirit, but also that one that is very fae-like and often portrayed in that way. And apparently can be purchased as well, which I thought was really odd when I read that. And I don't know how you're like, Yes. May I purchase a Haldi from you for my home? I don't know how that goes, but. (laughs) Interesting. I wonder if it's like capturing a spirit in a vessel. Could be. Yeah. Cause I know that that's a thing as far as like succubi and incubi and. Yeah. The spirit work, having a spirit vessel. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. A a cool one too. There's some Fae in Germany that were believed to. that they purposely would turn into an an inanimate object so that a human being would be tricked into taking them into their home with them. Look, I'm a pot. Like, (laughs) oh man, check out this cool rock. I think I'm going to take this home. And then boom, you have like a cobalt in your house, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, right? Yes. It's a Frisian account of inviting the Fae in. And it says, a poor peasant finally managed to finish building his house thanks to the gifts from his neighbor and to ensure his good fortune, he invited the pookie there. They Mm -hmm. soon arrived to inspect the new house and danced about it until one of them, about three inches high, decided to stay there and chose a hole in the beam for his home. Mm. So that I'm going to say is similar or the same as the puka. Yes, it exactly. Be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They related yeah. it to that. Yeah. Guys, I, okay. could, I could like, I, I love this stuff so much. I'm, I'm a, I'm a household spirit fan. <laughs> okay. So for people that are listening to this are, you know, if you have minimal or no knowledge about the Fae, you're probably sitting here going, kobold, puka, puka, hey, what are they talking about? So let's break it down by culture as far as the versions of household spirits and Fae. So we can kind of match up where in the world the this folklore and these beings have originated. I thought you were about to say, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes, that too. I loved that show. Okay. So where do we go first? What, what, where are we going? Let's go to one of my ancestral countries, Ireland. Okay. So the first one we're going to talk about is the Banti. And I believe that Banti actually translates to mean woman of the house. So this, this household fae is actually female because a lot of them are typically depicted as male. So this one was a little, little, I guess, 
fascinating um, in that regard. But anyway, she watches over the family, namely the children and the animals. She will aid in household chores. And there's even stories about her covering the children on cold nights and singing them to sleep. So she's the one that you would want to have around. And there's not really much about her getting pissed off and like doing anything poltergeist like or anything like that. So that's nice. <laughs> if you're taking out a Craigslist ad, like you, you know, you want a banty, I think. But cool tidbit. If you this, this was in the dark ages, if you were keeping your house too clean, it meant that you must be a witch and you had a banty in your home. So you didn't want to make your house too clean. This is interesting because it's uh, so not in what it does or performs or watches over, but just in uh, etymology, mm-hmm. this word looks very similar to banshee. Yes, exactly. Is there any correlation there or is it just completely etymology? The B-E-A-N, the ban part means woman. Is- Ah, there you go. Yeah. So banshee is woman of the she, you know, or woman of the hills or whatever it exactly Mm -hmm. translates to. And then banty is woman of the house. Gotcha. Yeah. The next one, Mm -hmm. I'll let you talk about it, but I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to pronounce it for fun because I'm sure it will be wrong. (laughs) Okay. Clurry. Clurican? It's kind of like leprechaun. Oh, Clurican. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. more sense. <laughs> so, and it's actually a cousin of the leprechaun, but he haunts wine cellars or your liquor cabinet. <laughs> He's a fan of the booze. He is usually seen wearing a red cap and apron and blue stockings. I'm just going to stop you there because growing up, I watched that show about the gnomes. Mm -hmm. They all had red caps, aprons, and blue stockings. That's interesting. I know the red cap thing kind of goes across the board with Faye, but I didn't know about the blue stockings and whatever. (laughs) Anywho. Yeah. So this guy will also take up residence in a pub, brewery, or bar. And he is mischievous. He likes to partake of your liquor stock and is frequently found drunk. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, like actually there's stories about actual ones with names and everything, which is kind of cool. What were we going to say? Like, what is his purpose though? I think Just that to watch he over the to, yeah, he guards the, the stock, right. Of beer, ale, whatever it is that you have. Um, but w- likes to partake, you know, of it as sort of offering or, you know, payment for his services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I guess, well, I'll tell you a quick story about a chloricon. There's one named Najinan. And this is told in a folktale called The Haunted Cellar that was written in the 1800s. But this little guy haunts a wine cellar of a rich Irish lord, and he starts causing him all sorts of problems. But when the Irish lord threatens to leave, Najinan tells him that he's just going to move with him wherever he goes. (laughs) So... Uh, interestingly, the, the same theme of the Chloricon following the master or the Lord occurs actually pretty frequently w- with household Faye. 
Mm. Um, the Scottish brownie is known to do that as well. They're they're they can attach to place, but some of these fae attach to to specific human beings or to families, and will you can say, oh, I'm just going to leave, you know, and get rid of the like get rid of this problem, but they're just going to follow you. It's kind of like. In some of those haunted like stories where people are being haunted and they go, oh, I'm just going to leave the house, but the haunting follows them. Yeah. And on that note, mm-hmm. is there any way to prevent that? Mm. Having, a, you having truly, the Faye follow yeah. you? Yeah. Like if you truly don't want them to come with you. Not that I've read and not that I know of, because it's kind of like either you're inheriting them or you've invited Mm. (laughs) them in kind of thing. I think truthfully, this is just me from experience and uh, just, I could be wrong, but I think it's much easier to get rid of a human like ghost or spirit than it is to get rid of an elemental or fae. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I okay. just think they're more powerful in ways, but anyway, that's for another time. <laughs> All right. Well, we will continue our journey around yeah. the world or around the world. Mostly Europe. Europe. Okay. Yeah. Germany. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but the next place we're going is Scotland. So we're just taking a little hop across the, yeah. Okay. Okay. Most people have heard of the Scottish brownie. That's like the more well-known household fay, right yeah the girl scout group troop whatever the brownies are actually named for this fairy <laughs> these are li- these little guys are known to be helpful around the home and typically they'll like finish up some chores after the family has gone to sleep at night mm-hmm. they are mostly male um they've mostly been documented as male in folklore And, uh, as I said before, they will attach to families and you can move, uh, with them from home to home. And they've even, there's even stories about them moving across the sea, like from the old world to the new world. Mm. And it's kind of interesting too, that they were originally larger size guardian spirits, like human size, but over the centuries, it's like, they seem to have shrunk in the folklore and the tales. Yeah. And they're really good at shape-shifting. They are known to shape-shift into the rooster and wake everyone up in the morning. (laughs) Uh, And these are the guys you don't want to give them clothing (laughs) and you want to give them offerings. If you give them clothing, they will take the clothing and they'll leave and they'll never return. Huh? Oh, oh. And if you watch them doing their work, it'll piss them off and it could turn them into a bogart. Well, what, what does that do? They are malevolent spirits that just cause all kinds of crap to go wrong in your house, especially at night. They torment people like at night, there's like knocking sounds and they sour the milk. So watch your milk people. (laughs) It's funny. I actually just had a whole thing of sour milk that, but it wasn't, I bought it at the store and it was sour coming from the store. Oh, weird. It was weird. Yeah. Maybe they had a bogart. <laughs> Maybe they did. Maybe they, they will uh, also follow the family. So the, the key point here is if you have a brownie, don't piss them off. 
Um, <laughs> will they fold laundry? I've heard of them doing all <laughs> kinds of things. I don't know. I mean, well, I would like to put in an order for a laundry brownie, please. Right. I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel the same way. Oh, but to ward off a bogart. Yeah. If it, you, if you have a bogart, supposedly horseshoes and salt will do the trick. Got that everybody, everybody write that horseshoes down. Horseshoes and salt. Okay. Yes. So now we're going to hop to Wales. Yeah. So, okay. The, the house. How, how do you say this? How the hell you say that? Boobock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the it, Welsh words are particularly challenging. Yeah. Cause this is spelled B W B A. So that's why I didn't get boo out of that. Mm-hmm. So this, they're basically just like the Scottish Brownie or the Irish Banty, but they cause significant amounts of mischief. Supposedly they especially don't like ministers and teetotalers. <laughs> they don't help with the chores, but they'll protect your house. But I think the problem is, is that it, they don't want anyone who doesn't reside in the home coming in the home. So it becomes problematic. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of funny. Yeah. Right. And then I guess we can just go hop on over to England. Do you know, have you ever heard of the hobgoblin? That's kind of a more common one. I feel like. Yes. This is an English household fay for people who don't know. They were Mm -hmm. once considered helpful, but after the spread of Christianity, they were demonized. Of course they were. Yeah. And Puck in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream is a hobgoblin. Mm. These guys are supposedly easily annoyed. And oh, also, you know, Dobby from the Harry Potter series. Yes. Dobby is another word for hobgoblin, but specifically in the Lancashire and Yorkshire parts of England. Hmm. I'm sure JK Rowling knew that. And that's where she got the name from. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It's pretty cool. Now we hop on over to Germany where you get to tell us all about the kobold. The kobold. I'm just going to tell you about specific names, specific kobolds, because they're basically just like every other household fay. They take a res- residence in your house. They'll help you with the chores, but they can be kind of testy. So One of my favorite stories is about a kobold named Hodekin. He was famous and once lived in a castle in Germany, which is now long gone, sadly. Um, But the story goes that a child that lived in the castle was outright disrespecting him, like making fun of him and like spitting on him and things. And when the kobold asked the cook to correct the child, he never did. And so Hodekin was so offended that he killed the child. And this is your favorite story? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Squeezed toads over the meat and then pushed the cook into the moat. That's gross. It's hilarious. (laughs) Not the killing part, but the the squeezing the toads over the meat and then pushing, like, I just see him like kicking the cook in the ass and him falling. I might have to edit that out, but him falling into the moat. (laughs) 
they had to have him exercised. Exercise the demon. Because he say he, he became such a problem. Obviously, he was homicidal at that point. But the point here, people, is to not disrespect the cobalt. All right. <laughs> and correct your little children when they're being mean to your household spirits. <laughs> So this is a lesson in bullying. <laughs> exactly. Also, another one, King Goldemar, they that was his name. He was an interesting character and is also referred to as a kobold, but also king of the dwarves in some facet. Hmm. Apparently, dwarf is sometimes used synonymously with kobold in Germanic mythology. Hmm. So he lived in Hardenstein Castle and apparently got along really well with the people that lived there. And would like tell them stories and sing songs and do all this kind of thing. But someone tried to catch him like in the act of doing something, um, some kind of chore or whatever. And he basically killed the dude and left the castle. Nice. Mm-hmm. So they're testy. These little guys, they, they, they're not Feel like we see a theme happening. Mm-hmm. There's another form of cobalt called the club club Botterman. It, they're more of like a different classification of the cobalt. They're a seafaring kind mm. and they're not as testy as their household cousins, but they, they have a love of music. So they'll, there's a lot of musical talent with them. They'll sing and they'll play instruments um, for the sailors on specific ships. They're also known to assist the sailors like during rough waters and, and storms and things, and they save them from drowning. However, if you actually see one, physically see one, it's supposed to be a bad omen. Mm. Yeah, just don't look at him. Yeah. I think because it means that he's coming around because something bad is about to happen and he's there to help, but it's still, you know, you don't want to see them. <laughs> now, what about this Heinzel Manchin? Yes. Yeah, so I have a family member who is um, from Germany. She's German. And she, these are her favorite. She told me the Heinzel Manchin because they're really helpful and really cute. I guess they're a specific type from Cologne, the Cologne region. And they would stay up after hours cleaning up for the people of Cologne Apparently some woman one day tried to like trip them up by laying peas all over the floor. I don't know why, if you had such a good thing going that you would mess it up like this and they got mad and they left. Now they didn't actually kill anybody or like pushing anyone into a moat. They just left. (laughs) Hmm. They were like, bye Felicia. I'm out. (laughs) But there's a lot of stories about them and the, the little drawings are really cute. They sound really cute. (laughs) Next, we're going to the land of spaghetti, Italy. Spaghetti. Yes. I don't know. I just made that up. Spaghetti and meatballs, I was about to say. (laughs) So they even have their version of the household fae. There's one called the Monticello. Or Monticello. Yeah. I feel like what it reminded me of. Yeah. We've talked about this briefly before too. You were like, I wonder, didn't you say you wonder if they were named after or the drink was named after this guy? Something. Yeah. He's like, he's the Italian version of the Irish Chloricon, except Mm. he lives in Naples. 
Hmm. He watches over the wine cellar, but again, he's often found drunk. Um, of course. <laughs> yeah. His name actually means little monk because he kind of dresses like a monk. He wears a little hood. Mm. I feel like if I saw one of these guys in my wine cellar, though, it would scare me. <laughs> you know, like with a little cloak or I don't know. <laughs> yes. Should we take a commercial break? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Spirit Nest. Spirit Nest is a warm nest for free-spirited individuals from all paths of spiritual practice, walks of life, and lifestyles. Pagans, Wiccans, witches, hippies, moon children, crystal lovers, healers, empaths, and the list goes on. Spirit Nest offers a wide selection of enchanted, high-quality, natural, and affordable beauty and skincare lines, altar provisions alongside original artwork printed on clothing, home decor items, in addition to hand-picked quality lifestyle items. Visit spiritnest.com and don't forget to enter Oracle 10 upon checkout for a 10% discount on your witchy favorites. Okay, now we're moving east mm-hmm. and checking out the Slavic version of these household say. Yeah, so I mentioned the Dome of Voy before, but they're basically ancestral tutelary spirits of Slavic origin. They reside in the oven and they <laughs> are linked to the family as well, not the home. When the family moves, it's said that the elder of the family should invite the Domovoy to come with them. Um, he protects the family and the household from illness and evil of all kinds. I think this is adorable. When he manifests, he looks like a small old man, like a little ancestor. <laughs> or he can mimic the appearance of the man of the house. Oh, that would be creepy. It would be, yeah, like a tiny little, you know, Michael. When I would be like, what, what? <laughs> that would freak me out. Like a mini me. <laughs> it's like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Um, they're also shapeshifters and they will shift into a dog or a cat form. If he's hmm. not treated well and talked to regularly and given offerings, he can become a poltergeist. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or potentially leave the family altogether, which is also bad news bears. Cause then you lose all the protection and luck and everything. Yeah. But if he turns into a poltergeist, I would think that I would want him to leave. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Along the same lines, the Kiki Mora is a female household spirit, sometimes said to be married to the Domovoy. She lives behind the stove or in the stove as well. But a lot of the like newer, not newer, but more recent tales say that she causes problems for the occupants. Um, hmm. Her name is actually linked to nightmare. 
Hmm. So that links her with ghosts and night spirits, but also the Sphinx moth, which I thought was interesting. And she's also thought to cause sleep paralysis. Hmm. And as a very nice form of uh, spite, if the home builders don't like the home buyers, they will summon a Kikimora to take up oh, residence. Nice. I know, right? Uh, but, you know, it's like, it's weird because some of the sources will say that she's useful and she protects the chickens as well as the children. Other times she's bothersome. So it just depends on maybe if she's pissed off or not. I don't know. Hmm. And uh, the last one that I'll just mention, I don't know a whole lot about, but it, his name is, he's a Bannock and he's a bathhouse spirit because bathhouses are big or were big, you know, in uh, Russia and Eastern European for a long time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Last but not least, we are going to travel to a very cold country, mm-hmm. Norway, to talk about the Nisi Tomti. They're basically, we believe this is who Santa's elves are modeled after, hmm. um, the later version of them, at least. It's interesting, though, as helpful as they can be. Again, there's also a lot of fear around the Nisi Tamta. There's some stories in one of our books, actually, that I think you have a copy of The Old Magic of Christmas. Yes. One of the stories talks about some of the fear around them and how if people (laughs) didn't go to church on Christmas Eve, that they were at risk of being kidnapped by the Nisi Tamta. (laughs) I feel like that's a story made up by parents <laughs> or the church. Cause the church wanted the church. everyone to be in church on Christmas Eve. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. But there, you know, there's a, there's a long, like rich folklore with, with these Norwegian house elves that we're not going to get into here because <laughs> it would take all night. So now that we know all the different types of household spirits through folklore around the world or around Europe, mm-hmm. essentially, how do you attract and or work with these household fairies? So just, I'm just going to blanket this by saying as far as how to work with them, first of all, you should always be respectful. Sounds like it, because if you're not, they gonna mess you up. Right. I mean, at best they'll be mischievous at worst. You've heard they'll be a poltergeist, right? (laughs) Or, Um, or you get pushed into a moat <laughs> I know. <laughs> or have toad as on your breakfast plate. I don't know. So you have to always be respectful. They do really like regular offerings. So if you don't want to put in the effort and time to give your household fay regular offerings, then it's probably best not to call upon them. Mm. The brownie loves offerings of bread, honey, sweet cream, cakes, and ale. The cobalt. So, okay, let me start this over. Brownies, as far as attracting them, I think you're more prone to attract a brownie if you're of Scottish heritage. And that's not me being a, you know, jerk or anything, but I recommend if you're looking into household fay that you look into whatever heritage or, you know, your, where your ancestors come from. Cause I think it's, it's easier on that level. Mm. Just my experience, but cobalts are interesting because they, they typically come from nature. And so there's different ways to attract them, but one is to approach a tree on Midsummer's Eve and leave an offering and invite the cobalt to come home with you. 
if a branch falls while you're standing there, apparently you take that branch home and set up a space for the kobold because apparently his spirit is in that branch. Hmm. Another way is similar, basically involves going into the forest on St. John's Day. And if you find a bird sitting on an anthill, the bird is supposed to be a kobold and you're supposed to say a particular phrase that I'm not privy to. The bird will shift and jump into your bag and then will come home with you. Very simple. Simple as that. <laughs> uh St. John's Day. Yeah. Is June 24th. Okay. Interesting. There you go. Other ways that they say is to leave your door open on one of the pagan sabbats and inviting them in, but you have to be very careful here. Hmm. You could also, I think this is the best way, in my opinion, this is how I've met some of them, meeting them on the astral plane and developing a connection there first. Mm, Agreed. Yeah. And your garden variety, like pixies and garden fairies, they're not necessarily in your home, but they're, you know, they're on your property. They're around to work with. Yeah. Yeah. They're around. Right. And they're easy to attract. You set up little fairy garden. You can give them little home, like houses, you know, provide little offerings, plant things that they like, like thyme, foxglove, lavender. Mm. They're probably, I mean, that's, that's a pretty common one to work with. And you're kind of giving them a boundary. You don't really want them in your home, you know, but they're on your property. Right. If you're like worried about having them in the house, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, what did George say about fairies he's like it's kind of like drinking when you're a teenager yeah okay to do it just not in the house (laughs) yeah (laughs) it cracked me up and then domovoy the slavic ancestral spirits again they love offerings they're expected actually interestingly they like salt which in some cases is used as a ward like against household fae hmm yeah, I know. I thought that was interesting. Tobacco. They like tobacco, apparently. Bread, milk, and porridge. They don't like bad language at the dinner table. <laughs> oh, good and to know. They, and they want you to keep your house in decent condition. And um, I think that's all I'm going to say as far as like attracting and working with the household. Fit. You have to do your own research, really, because they're all different. They really are. They're similar in ways, but some of them like certain things. The others don't. Well, in saying how to attract and work with them, are there any particular, I mean, you've, you've already said some, but are there particular precautions, warnings, exorcisms, (laughs) things of that nature that people should be aware of? Yeah. Well, we said it before rudeness or disrespect, trying to see them or like catch them in their work that typically pisses them off. And like, who would want to piss off somebody that's folding in their laundry? Not me. I don't exactly. I don't need to see it. Get it done. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to see it for it to be finished. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we said, if you're, if you are trying to move to get away from them, like that's not going to happen. They're just going to follow you. Mm. There's actually a story about a Scottish man who moves from Scotland to New York and his boa con, I guess it's like another name for brownie or bogart follows him. (laughs) (laughs) Giving them clothing as an offering or a gift is a no, no in most cases, but there was like one particular fae that liked getting clothing. So like I said, you have to research this coley before you start working with them. Right. You know, there are cases where the fae is, has to be exercised, but I think the only ones that I read of like specifics was the horseshoe and the salt. 
for the bogart. Mm. I think it's just like, if you don't piss them off, you won't have to exercise them. So don't piss them off. Simple. Really? It's very simple. People want to do their own research and learn more about this topic. Tell us some recommendations. The best book hands down is The Tradition of Household Spirits by Claude Le Couteau. Also, you want to pick up A Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk by Dane McCoy. That's just an all-around good one on the fae. Agreed. Um, and then some older sources that go into a lot of detail with the fae W.B. Yeats' Fairy and Folk Tales of the Irish Peasantry and Evans Wentz's The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries. Mm, cool. Should we wrap it up? I think I've droned on long enough. <laughs> we should wrap it up. I'm sorry, Alora. I hope y'all stuck with me there. No, I think it's a very interesting topic and I probably should do more research on it, especially if and when there starts being some activity around here. Yeah, you should. We'd like to thank our listeners for your support, whether you're new or returning. Grant some of your magical energy to us and subscribe to and review our podcast. Be sure to check out Alora's website at alorarain.com for tarot readings, numerology, and soul origin profiles. If you're looking for a show on the racier, witchy side, subscribe to our shadow podcast, Mamir's Well, now on your preferred podcast app. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.